Good morning. Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. I want to welcome all of our visitors and guests. We also want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online. We're just so glad to have you a part of our worship. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know our family did. Got to be with lots of family and got to eat lots of food. Way, way too much food. But it was a great time and I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving as well. All right, well, today we're going to be wrapping up our series entitled Making the Most of Life. And if you have missed any of this series, just know you can go on our church Facebook page, our church website. We also have a podcast that's available where you can go online and you can listen to any of our lessons that have been preached. And we want to encourage you to do that if you've missed any in this series. Because the series that we're in right now may be the most important series that we've been in all year. And so please, please, if you miss any of these, go back. Also, let me tell you, we're going to be kind of transitioning next week. We're going to be talking about the unexpected story. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I want to encourage you guys to invite your friends and family. I think it's going to be really encouraging to them, and hopefully it will lead someone to Christ. So again, if you can think of a, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, please have them come for our next series, and I, I think they'll be encouraged spiritually through that. Well, I want to begin with a story to, today about two friends, Jim and Joe, and they were best friends and really they were best friends because they had the same passions, right? They, they had the, the same things or, or they liked the, the same things that, that each other liked. For example, they both uh, you know, were very passionate about God. They were both very passionate about their, their family. And they were both very passionate about baseball. In fact, as they grew older, they began to wonder to themselves, is heaven really going to be that great if there's no baseball there? And so they kind of made a pact with each other that whoever passed first would try and get a message back to the other about whether there was baseball in heaven or not. Well, Jim passed away first, and Joe grieved his passing, but then a couple of weeks later, Joe was lying in bed, and he heard a voice, Joe, Joe, and he said, Jim, is, is that you? And he says, yes, Joe, it's me, and he says, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. He said, the good news is, Joe, man, there is baseball in heaven, and he said, it's good baseball, there's Great players up here, and, and we play great games. And Joe said, well, then what's the bad news? And Jim said, well, you're scheduled to pitch next Tuesday. <laughs> In this series, we've been talking about the brevity or the shortness of our life here on earth. And, and I knew as I went into this series that there was going to be 
the potential for this series to be a little morbid, but really understand that's not what I want out of this series. What I want out of this series is really for us to evaluate our lives because here's the deal, one day we're all going to pass, right? In fact, I think that's one of the reasons why our lives in, in Scripture are compared to a race because a race has a definite start and it has a definite finish, right? And, and that's the way our lives are. We have a definite start, but one day we all have a finish. And that should be sobering to us. That, that should cause us to ask the question, have I made the most of my life here on earth? Have I made the most of the opportunities that God has given me while here on this earth? So turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Keeping that in mind, these are the words of Paul. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. I'm going to need some help up there, guys. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. This is what it says. Be very careful then how you, what church? How you live, not as unwise, but as what? As wise. Now, what does that look like? How does a wise person live? He tells you, making the most of every what? Opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, he says, do not be, what church? Foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, that phrase, making the most of every opportunity, uses one of two Greek words for time. That's why some of your translations may read, make the most of the time, or make the most of your time, or some of your translations may, may read, redeem the time, because time is important in the Bible, because here's the deal, we don't have much of it, right? That's what we've been talking about in this, in this series. The Bible describes, it uses metaphors for the brevity or the shortness of our lives. Our lives are compared to a mist, a vapor, a breath, a flower, grass, something that is here for a short time, but then it's gone. And so what Paul is saying to us here in our text is don't use... Ah, not moving for me. Don't use your time like a fool. Time is too precious to be handled foolishly because here's the deal. We can't make any more of it, right? Once we spend it, it's spent. Once it's gone, we can't get that time back. And so we don't want to live unwise lives making major major amounts of our time all about minor things in this life, right? And, and I think all of us can probably be guilty of that at times, making majors out of minors, you know, really spending more time on the trivial things that have, have no, no meaning to them at all. It's not that they're wrong, but it's just taking up so much of our time. And Paul would say that's foolish, you know, the word fool is all over the Bible. 
In fact, we were born with a condition called foolishness. It's also called the sin nature. But here's the good news. When we gave our life to Jesus, we received the spirit of wisdom. And so we don't have to live foolishly anymore. But some of you may be asking this morning, well, how do... How do you live foolishly? Well, the Bible answers that for us. Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, it says, The white church, the fool says in his heart, there is what? There is no God. Now, the psalmist here is not talking about an atheist. What the psalmist is talking about is the person who lives their life as if God doesn't matter. He's talking about the person who lives their life without giving any thought to God whatsoever. We, we read about a person like that in Scripture, right? Jesus tells a story about this farmer in Luke chapter 12 who had a bumper crop. I mean, he had an amazing year. And it was so good... He couldn't get it all in his barns. Now, instead of thinking, okay, what would God want me to do with this excess? You know, who, who out in the community has needs? Who can I help? The, the, only, the only person he thought about was himself. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and I'll just build bigger barns. That way I can store up more for me so that life, the rest of my life, I can just live it as one big party, you know, just eating, drinking, and being merry. And then what happens that night? What does Jesus say? He died. And God refers to him as a what? as a fool. Now, Jesus didn't say he was a fool because he was unethical. He didn't say that he was a fool because he was immoral. He was a fool because he lived his life as a functioning atheist who never gave any thought to God or others. So the scriptures tell us because our life is so short, because our time is so precious, because we now have the spirit of wisdom, we don't need to use our time foolishly. This is how Peter puts it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, he says, So you must, why church? Live in reverent fear of Him during your what? During your time here as, what are we? Temporary residence, right? This is this world, and you guys have heard this before. We like to sing about it. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But as we're passing through, we have a purpose, right? There, there's a reason why we're here. In other words, we should be asking, how does God want me to use my time? Because here's what Paul says, the wise person is, thinking, is seeking the will of God all the time. Listen, your life, my life is on loan. And so we don't need to spend it, we need to invest our time. We need to invest our lives because the one who gave us the loan wants some return. 
In the book, Your Life is on Loan by Eric Swanson, he writes about how when he was younger, his father had a big barrel in the backyard and he would bring things from work, trash, cardboard boxes, and he would burn them in that barrel. It was still legal during that time. And he talks about how as a kid, oftentimes he would get some of those cardboard boxes out of his dad's barrel and he would make things with it, like a, a house. In fact, he said one time, he said, I got out some of the cardboard boxes, I drug it around to the front of the house, and I started building a cardboard house. Well, there was a little girl across the street by the name of Diane, and she sees this and she comes over and she says, what are you doing, Eric? And he says, I'm building a house. And she said, cool. So she runs back to her house, gets some crayons and some material and some glue, and she comes back and she makes curtains for the house. And she starts drawing shingles on the roof. And she colors the front door. And then when they're done, they both stand back and they're like, man, that's awesome. And then guess what Eric does? He drags it to the backyard and he burns it. And Diane starts crying. And this is what Eric writes, perhaps she wouldn't have invested so much time if she had known it was only going to burn. Listen, Jesus is not just offering us a new life after death. He is offering us life now instead of death. He is offering us a life that really matters and really counts for something. I, I think one of our, our biggest problems at times is we are often tempted to really make the gospel weaker than it is. Because oftentimes what we'll do is we will ask the question, if I die tonight, do I know that I will go to heaven? Now, the gospel answers that question, but another question that the gospel answers for us is when I wake up in the morning, what will I be living for? If I live for the next 50 years, Will I have a purpose that will carry me the distance? Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but especially today I encounter people and they are, they are constantly throwing out the phrase, man, what is my purpose? Why, why am I here? And I want you to know the, the, what, the good news of the gospel is, is God has a purpose for you. It's not just uh, about being saved, but, but God has a purpose for you now. We weren't just saved from something. We were saved for something. And so we need to live wise. Time is a, a limited resource. And so we don't want to waste it making big deals out of little things. And you say, well, well, how can we keep from doing that? I mean, how can I keep from living unwise or living foolishly like the Bible says? Well, I think Paul tells us, or at least he gives us some great advice here in Ephesians chapter 5 on life management. And here's the first thing that he points out. We need to look for where God is moving. If we want to live wise, 
If we want to live a life with purpose and meaning, we need to look for where God is moving because it doesn't matter. Listen to me this morning. It doesn't matter if we hit our target. If we hit the aim for our life, if we miss what God is up to and what God is doing and what He wants for our life. In fact, he talks about this in verse 17. Look back. I'm going to read it from a different translation this time. Paul says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord, what church? Wants you to do. What the Lord, think about that, what the Lord wants you to do. Some of you may be saying, well, Slate, what exactly does the Lord want me to do? God wants us to look at where He's working. And to look for what he's doing and join him in that. We may be tempted to pray, God, please get involved in what I'm doing. But what we need to be thinking, okay, where is God working? What is God doing? And God, help me to join you in that. Well, well how is God working? Well, Paul tells us, right, in Acts chapter 17... Verses 26 through 27, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. And why, church? And find him, though he is not far from any of us. Notice what Paul says God is doing. He is putting people in certain places, at certain times, so that they will find Him. And our purpose is to join Him in that. I'm going to make this very practical this morning. And listen, I, I want you to forget your whatever your political position is on immigration and, and all that, that kind of stuff. But I want, I want you to just think about this. For a moment, God is bringing the world to us. Have you noticed that? Especially in Florida. Man, it's like a melting pot of, of people from all over the world. And what an opportunity God has given us, especially the people of Florida, to reach those, those people of other nations. And so we, we need to be looking for where God is working. And we need to pray, God, please help me to join you in that. Just the other day... Um, I was preaching a funeral, and before the funeral, Guadalupe came up to me and she said, Slate, do we have any Bibles that I can give away? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I went back to the office, I got her some Bibles, and then I preached the funeral. Then after the funeral was over, the funeral director came up to me and he says, I, I just want to tell you something that one of your members did. And I was like, oh, no. But he said... One of the ladies of your congregation came up to one of our workers at the funeral home and she began to talk to him. 
And she gave him a Bible. And she invited him to your church. And he said, that was awesome. He said, I really appreciated her doing that. And, and if you know Guadalupe, you know that's just her, right? I mean, she has made it her life goal to reach as many people for Christ as she can. She's actively seeking out and looking for where God can use her. And that's what we need to be doing. But as Paul says, that can be hard at times because the days are evil. Right? That's what he mentions in the text. And, and because the days are evil, I mean, today, how many of you would openly admit, man, you just want to kind of lock yourself inside your home and you don't, you don't want to go out? You want to stay safe. You want to protect your family. You, you, you just kind of want to live in this protective bubble from all the evil in the world. But here's, here's the problem with that. God moves, will always, will almost always move us out of our comfort zone. Maybe even out of safety or protection. Think about what Jesus said. You remember as Jesus was addressing those who would follow him, he didn't say, hey, follow me if you want protection. Hey, follow me if you want to live a safe life. Hey, follow me um, if you want to live pain-free. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, he said the opposite, right? Matthew 16, 24 through 26, he said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. And why, church? Take up your cross. The cross is a painful thing, right? But he says, you've got to take up your cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to watch church lose their life will find it. You see, the goal is not to avoid a wounded life. The goal is to avoid a wasted life. When we partner with God and what He's doing in this dark world, let me tell you something, God won't waste a light. It doesn't matter how short or how long your life is, God will not waste a light. And so look for where God is moving and join Him. And that means, number two, seizing those God moments. And that's very important because we're going to have those God moments. God will present them. Um, I mentioned Paul used the word time here in our text. And the Greeks actually had two words for time. The first is chronos, which is sequential, consecutive time. It's where we get our word uh, chronology. The second word is keros, and it means the right or the opportune time. How many of you have heard someone say, it was just the right time? You know, I had to say something. I had to do something. And, and it means the moment or the event where something must be done. And that's, that's the word that Paul uses here in our text. He's saying in the passing of Kronos time, there are these moments that are just embedded in the purpose of God. 
And oftentimes, maybe we use the word coincidence. But let me tell you something. There's no coincidence with God. It's providence. It's God intersecting someone else's life with our life. And, and that's what God wants for us. Paul uses this word in a similar sense in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Live wisely among those who are white church who are non-believers and make the what? The most of every opportunity. I'm going to tell you, one of, the, one of the best examples of this is my wife. I mean, if you know my wife, you know that wherever she's at, whoever she meets, she is going to talk about Jesus with that individual. In fact, several years ago, um, our family had a chance to meet T.J. Yeldon. And I know you guys, probably most of you are Florida fans, but T.J. Yeldon was a superstar running back for Alabama at one time. He went on to play in the NFL for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and our family had a chance to sit down and really talk to T.J. And it was just really cool uh, having that moment with him. But right before T.J. left, which is just right after this picture, that you're looking at here. My wife turns to TJ and she asks him this question. She said, TJ, she said, do you want to be successful? And he looked at her and he said, yes, ma'am. And she said, if you want to be successful, she said, then you need to live for Jesus. She says, it doesn't matter how your football career goes, if you will live for Jesus, you will be a success. And he looked at her and he said, yes, ma'am, thank you. That's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, Julie here took a, a moment. She seized a moment of time that was God appointed because... She is filled with a different kind of wisdom. And, and let me tell you something. God gives us, all of us, moments just like this. And it doesn't matter if it's a superstar or it's a cashier at a gas station or it's someone that you work with or a family member. And, and by the way, you're not going to get an email or a text message from God saying, listen, I'm going to give you this opportunity on Tuesday between 2 and 3. We just got to be alert for these opportunities because they're there. I'm telling you. God will, will allow someone who may be struggling in their faith or someone who has no faith to intersect with our story so that we can share His story. And it's just amazing how God works. Um, I, I think a great illustration of this for me personally, and I'll, I know I've shared this story with you guys before, but when we lived in Alabama, we had some neighbors moving in. I believe I was out mowing the grass, and I saw that it was a husband and wife trying to unload this big truck by themselves. They had no help. So I went in, I told Julie, I said, I'm going to go over and see if I can help these guys. And she said, well, tell them I'll cook supper for them. And I was like, awesome. So I go over and I said, can I help? And they just looked at me shocked and they said, yes. And so me and her husband, we started unloading the truck and she's pointing to where everything needs to go. And then by that night, my wife comes over and she brings them food and they were just so thankful. 
Well, a couple of days later, I'm coming home from work. And the husband is out in the backyard. He's on his knees. He's trying to put up a chain link fence. And I walk up to him and I said, hey man, I said, I am not good with tools. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to head and putting that out there. I'm not good with tools. I'm not a handyman. But I can dig a hole. And, and I can hold things and I can pass you things if you'll explain what you're looking for. I uh, may not know the right name, so, but, but I, I can do whatever you need me to do. And I'll never forget, he stood up and he looked at me and he said, Who are you and where do you go to church? And I said, Funny thing. <laughs> I'm a minister and our congregation is just down the road. And he said, I want to go to church with you. And his wife, him and his wife did. And over the course of the next several weeks, had a Bible study and ended up baptizing both of them into Christ. And they became some of our closest friends. But I'm telling you, God gives us these opportunities all the time. And so, and so instead, listen to me, instead of dashing through this life, we need to look for and we need to recognize those moments that can be redeemed for the purposes of God. And then number three, we need to search every moment for its real worth. Listen, what we've been talking about over the last several weeks makes no sense to the world. In fact, the world would see how we're living and they would say that we're foolish, right? But, but listen, the Bible shows us clearly it's not wise to spend all our time trying to win the wrong race. In fact, if you've got your outline with you, write this down this morning. Don't lose most chasing more. Because for most of the world, that's what they're after. It's just chasing more and more money, more stuff, more entertainment, more education, more whatever. Listen, the real fool, according to the Bible, is the one who spends all their time for no bigger reason than to have a barn that is full of stuff and more. But our life is alone. Our life is short. And surely you and I are here for a bigger purpose than to, to die with the most stuff, right? Than to die with the biggest wheel in, in the cemetery. Surely there has got to be so much more to that than what the world feeds us. And what the world tells us. It's all about. Listen, God is leading us to run a better race, and that race is very, very short compared to eternity. And so we don't need to waste our time chasing the wrong thing. And I think a great example of someone who realized this, and I'm going to wrap up, is Bubba Smith. Some of you may recognize him. Uh, Bubba Smith had uh, a period of time where he played in the NFL. He also has made some movies. Some of you have probably seen Police Academy and, and stuff like that that he was in. But probably what he's really known for was the beer commercials that he made. Some of you are like, oh yeah. He, remember he was a guy who would rip the top of the can off and then he would start a debate or an argument over whether it tasted great or, or whether it was less filling. Y'all remember those commercials? 
Well, here's the thing. Bubba Smith didn't even drink alcohol. It was just an easy job that paid well, and he had fun doing it. But one day, his alma mater called Michigan State, and they asked him to be in their homecoming parade. And he agreed, and he remembered that for two hours as he was driving down the streets in the parade, there were college students on one side that were shouting, taste great, and college students on the other side that were shouting, less filling. And he said this went on for two hours. And the message that they had gotten was, hey, it's great to drink light beer. And so when it came time to renew his contract with the beer company, Bubba Smith refused to do it because he said he didn't want his life to count for something like that. One last story. Give me one last story. Philip Yancey, the great Christian author, wrote a great book, The Jesus I Never Knew. I encourage you to read it. He was once in a serious car accident. Almost died. In fact, he had to be flown to Denver for emergency surgery. And this is what he said. All that mattered during that time boiled down to these four questions. Who do I love? Who will I miss? What have I done with my life? And am I ready for what's next? James, in the book of James, asks this question, what is your life? And then he gives the answer. He says, it's nothing more than a mist. It's nothing more than a vapor. And so we need to make sure that we live this life for God that we live with the purpose that God has given us, making the most of the time we have here, the opportunities that God has blessed us with to share the gospel with other people, to serve and encourage others in the faith. God has given us a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous responsibility. And we don't ever need to take that lightly. And so we want to go ahead and offer an invitation this morning. There may be someone here this morning who needs to put on Christ in baptism. Now is the time. Now is the time to do something. Paul also said, today is the day of salvation. And, and so some of you need, to, you, need to give, you need to give Jesus your life. You need to put on Christ having all your sins completely washed away. Or it may be that you need prayers of strength. I know that all of us, we go through things. We all have challenges that we face, and sometimes those things can get heavy. Maybe it's even our schedule that's just become too heavy and we just need to pray that God will start stripping back some of that stuff so that we can pour a lot more of our life into His will instead of our will. 
But this morning we have the cross up here and, and you can leave uh, a prayer request at the cross. We will pray over those. The elders will pray over those. Or if you want to make a public confession this morning asking us to pray for you, listen, we will pray for you. That's what we're about as a church family. Coming together, encouraging and strengthening each other's faith. And we'll pray for you and help you in whatever way we can. But if you need to come, once you come together, we stand and sing.